Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. But right now we're in a series here at the Vineyard about uh, the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. So we're just taking kind of a slow walk through the Gospel of John. And we're looking at all the moments where Jesus says any number of things. But he begins by saying, I am. And he, and he has some descriptors about uh, himself. And not, it's not just something he's saying about himself, but it's, it's actually something that we can come to understand as this is who God is. Because Jesus is God. And John makes this uh, so clear to us from the very, very beginning. Jesus says things like, I'm the bread of life. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the door to the sheep pen. That's what we uh, heard last week. And, and this week, we're, we're going to look a little bit uh, at the moment where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So Whitman, if we could put John chapter 10 back up. Eva, Eva has already read it to us this morning, but I want to read it again. We're going to look at verses 11 through about 21. And this is where Jesus uh, has a few things to say to us. He says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and he doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntary for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and I also take it up again for this is what my father has commanded. And when he said these things, this is actually pretty important. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and he's out of his mind. Why would you listen to a man like that? And others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so this is the question for us even this morning, right at the very beginning. As we, as we enter into the text and as we let the scriptures speak to us, uh, we are the people in John chapter 10, 20, and 21. And we have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? Is he just a crazy demon-possessed guy? Is he just another good teacher? Or is he the one who can open the eyes of the blind? That's the question for us this morning. But uh, here's what I want to talk to you about specifically. I, I want to talk to you about receiving the shepherd's care this morning. That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about receiving the shepherd's care. Uh, less than a year ago, I actually preached this exact passage to the church. I went back and looked at it in my notes this week. It's a pretty good message. And I'm not going to review it for you. Uh, in fact, you might want to go back and, and look at it because 
uh, even, even just a few months ago, uh, I, I read it again this week and I thought, you know what? I still believe every single thing that I, that I preach. So it's, it's holding up and I would recommend that to you. But what I want to do this morning is I specifically want to talk to you about just simply receiving the shepherd's care. That's what I really want to dig into this morning. Jesus comes to us. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, and even though we're not a, a herding society, uh, we understand the image, don't we? Uh, we understand the image that there's this shepherd. Uh, he, he's got a, a flock uh, and he's the one who cares for the sheep. That's what the shepherd is. Uh, he's not just responsible for the sheep. He actually cares for them. Uh, it's built into the image. And, and that's what I want to say this morning to the church. Uh, everybody here, everybody here is a sheep. We're all sheep. And that's just another way of saying we're all vulnerable. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, uh, if, he's, if he's putting us in the classification of sheep, uh, that's just another way of saying uh, we're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. And, and if we're all vulnerable, here's what that means. It means we actually need care. It means we need care. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you have ever held a tiny little baby on the first day it was born? It's a special thing, isn't it? I, I, I've, got to, I've, I've been a, fortunate enough. I've got four kids. And, and I've been allowed to be in the room four different times when that happened, you know? And brand new baby. And they wipe all the cheese off of it and they <laughs> hand it to you. I know that's not the medical term, but that's what I call it. They wipe the baby cheese off of it and they hand it to you. And it's just, it's the most, mat some people are not laughing at that joke. Come on, people, work with me. But, but, but they hand that little baby to you and, and it's just the most vulnerable, precious little thing. I mean, there is nothing like it. And, and how many of you know that that baby it cannot exist in the world apart from the care of its mother and father. You know, it just, it just, it can't exist in the world. It needs its mom. Not only that, but it needs somebody 24 seven. And if you have a baby, you will learn right, right quickly. It needs you 24 seven. You don't get an hour off. You know, uh, I love talking to couples when they have their first baby. I'm like, man, you just get ready. <laughs> and, and they hate hearing that. And they're like, we're fine. We're fine. We're going to be fine. I'm like, you don't know. That baby needs you 24-7. Not 23 hours a day, not 22. There's not a break anywhere. And it's 24-7. Why? Because they're literally that vulnerable. They need their mom and dad. Here's what else they need. They need their grandma. And they need their sister. And they need their brothers. And then here's what happens. Here's what happens. We know this about little babies, but I just want to keep extending this a little bit here for a moment. Uh, then, then that little baby grows up or, or maybe we grow up a little bit and then, then guess what you need? You need teachers. You need teachers. No one's born knowing calculus. Did you know that? No one's born knowing how to read. No, one, no one's born knowing how to, to parse grammar. No one's born knowing how to do anything we're all born like kind of almost blank canvases. At first, you need your mom and dad just to keep you alive. And then you grow up a little bit and then you need a teacher. You need a teacher. And then you need a coach. You need a coach to teach you how to shoot a ball and swing a bat. And in, then even when we get older and we become independent, if you slow down a bit, you'll notice that we still need care. 
Uh, we still need care. Even after you can brush your teeth and shower on your own, uh, even after you know calculus, uh, even after you can diagram sentences, even after you can do statistics, if you pay attention, you'll notice you still need help. First thing I want to say to the church this morning is, uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. We're the sheep. We're vulnerable. This means we need care. Here's the first thing I want to say. We never outgrow needing care. If you, if you, if you pay attention in your life, you'll notice that you never outgrow the need for care. Even full-grown adults need help. Uh, I need help with my taxes. I need, I need Aaron Charlo to literally just do them. Don't tell me about them. Just do them. I don't know just do, Aaron, just send me the bill and do them, right? Uh, I, need, I, need, I need Alex Vaughn to help me when my car breaks down. I don't know about cars. Here's what I know about cars. You put gas in it, you change the oil, you tell the guys at Jimmy Loop no to everything except the oil. <laughs> this is what I do. I roll the window down. I roll the window down. And before the young man can say anything, I say, I only want an oil change. I don't want any, don't do anything else to, why? Because I don't know anything about cars, but I know that the guys at Jimmy Loop, they know maybe even less than me. And Alex knows, Alex knows everything, right? The other day, the other day I'm out here and I start my truck up and it starts blowing red fluid just everywhere. I just turned it off. I called Alex. Why? Because even when you're an adult and you need help, called out. He came right over. He's like, yeah, you got a hose. It's not right. I'm like, great, Alex, just do whatever it takes. Just do it. Right. I need an accountant. I need, I need Alex when my car blows red fluid somewhere. Uh, here's another, I have no idea what to do about my teeth when they hurt. Uh, the other day, one of my kids needed stitches uh, and we enlisted professional help. I didn't, I didn't, I just said, Put that over your eye. We're going to your aunt's house, you know? <laughs> and isn't it great when you have family who are in the medical profession? I just, I literally, I just texted Summer. I'm like, Rowan needs stitches. I don't know what to do. I li- I'm an adult. I can brush my teeth. I can do some physics. I don't, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. I'm 44 and I still have life situations that arise that I literally have no idea what to do about. Uh, I remember the first time that I went to see a therapist. I was facing some real anxiety and I uh, sat down with the therapist and they said, hey, what's going on? And I said, well, here's what I think's going on. So I told him this story. And within three seconds, the guy looks at me and goes, oh, this is great. You're in a double bind. I said, what's a double bind? Oh, he said, it's, it's lose-lose. I said, that is, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> he said, well, let's take a minute and let's see if there's something else if there's something else that, that your brain, because it's locked in anxiety, isn't allowing you to see. Let's see if there's another option. We spent 30 minutes looking for another option. At the end of it, there were no more options. He looked back at me. He says, yeah, you're in a double bind. This is lose-lose. And I said to him, well, what do I do? What do I do? He said, lose quickly. I was like, that's amazing. He's like, why are you torturing yourself why are you torturing? It's lose-lose. He says, lose quickly and lose the way you want to lose. That way you are at least in employing your own agency. Lose how you want to lose and lose quickly. I immediately felt better. We named, I'm like, I'm in a double buy. There's literally nothing I could do. Started feeling better. Why? Because I'm, listen, you can become an adult and still have no idea what to do, right? Everybody needs 
care. The other day, a friend took me to breakfast uh, and they asked me about church and they asked me about my life and they asked me about all the things. And, and I realized about 20 minutes into it, this friend is, is like, switch the tables on me. You ever have a friend do that to you? Like they turn the tables on you. And all of a sudden I'm telling them about church. I'm telling them about my life, about how I feel. Uh, and when I, when I got up, I realized I, I feel so refreshed. I feel so cared for. I feel so cared for. Uh, someone, someone expressed a little bit of care about my life. Um, I, I know people right now who are caring for their elderly parents. Why am I bringing that up? Even when you're 80 and 90, you're still going to need somebody to help you. We never outgrow the need for care. From the time we draw our first breath till the time we let our last breath out, there are going to be people around, hopefully helping and caring for us. And then in comes Jesus. And, and, and this morning in John chapter 10, he declares to us, he's the good shepherd, which is just shorthand. It's Bible shorthand for, I want to care for you. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want to care for you. And when we hear Jesus say, I'm the good shepherd, we should think Psalm 23. We should think Psalm 23, especially after Emily's message last week, which was so good. We should think Psalm 23, where Jesus said he wants to provide a rich and satisfying life for people. A life where there's still water and green pastures. So here's the question this morning. How do we receive from the good shepherd? Well, the first thing we do is this, realizing that we never outgrow the need for care. Uh, the more that we become rigidly independent, the more we will resist the care that Jesus, and honestly, that the community that he's planted, in, planted us in, wants to give to us. We never outgrow the need for care. Uh, God's, God's vision for your life is not that you would become a rugged individual. God's vision for your life is not that you'd become the Marlboro Man. Uh, the, the Marlboro Man is in many, many ways antithetical to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we never outgrow the need to be helpers, but also the need to be helped. We're never meant to be on our own. Uh, second thing I want to say to you about receiving the shepherd's care. And it has to do with why. Here, here's why we can come to Jesus and why we can be confident in coming to Jesus. It's, it's what he says in verse 11. He says in verse 10, I'm the good shepherd. But in verse 11, he says, uh, I'm the good shepherd. And he says very specifically why. He says, because I lay my life down for the sheep. Uh, there's a direct connection to his saying about being the good shepherd and the reason why he's good is because he's not primarily self-interested. Here's why I would like to say to the whole church this morning, not only can you come to Jesus and not only should you come to Jesus, but you can do it with confidence because he's, he's a shepherd who's not self-interested. Right up front, he says, I'm going to lay my life down for the sheep. Uh, here's what's interesting about that. Every other shepherd in the world lays down the life of the sheep for their own benefit. Jesus is, everybody who would be listening to Jesus in the first century would be like, well, that's weird. 
That, that's weird. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. No, that's, that's different. Because everybody in the first century would have known that, man, if you're, a, if you're a sheep herder, you know what you do with the sheep? You drink their milk, you take their wool, and occasionally what do you do? You eat them. Yeah. You lay down their life for who? For you. But Jesus says, no, I lay my life down for my sheep. And everybody would have been like, that's really, really different. Not Jesus. He's throwing the image on his head. And it's not just words. Because we know by the end of the story, he lays his life all the way down to the cross and to the grave. And here's what I'd like to say to the church this morning. You can trust a shepherd like that. He's not looking for your wool. He's not looking for your milk. And he's not looking for your life in that way. He's actually looking to give you green pastures and still water. So how do we receive his care? Uh, I want to share with you three really simple ways to receive his care. Number one, uh, the most basic help that Jesus is giving you is actually sitting around you right now. Uh, the way that the shepherd cares for us is in some ways sitting around you right now. Whenever you experience others who have laid their lives down for you, even if it's in tiny degrees, you're receiving the care of the good shepherd. It is self-sacrificing love that is, that is the hallmark of Christianity. And anytime we experience the goodness of other people, and anytime we experience someone else being being self-sacrificial toward us, even if it's in the tiniest of degrees, we're experiencing the care of the good shepherd. Self-sacrificial love is the hallmark of Christianity. Uh, it's not memorizing Bible verses. It's not voting this way or that. Uh, it is not boycotting Disney. It's not engaging in culture wars. It's self-sacrificial love towards others. That's how you know. That's how you know if somebody has actually entered into the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's in laying down one's rights for the sake of others. That's how you know. Even if it's a right that maybe the government says you have, but maybe in the kingdom of heaven, you don't have it. It's in laying down rights that you feel like you have, that maybe someone else says you have, that you feel like you should have. When you lay those down for the sake of someone else, that's when you've done the thing. And if you've ever experienced that, if that benefit coming toward you, you've experienced the care of the shepherd. And a lot of it's around us right now. It's, it's in this room. It's in this room. We've all received that. So number one, how do you receive the, the care of the shepherd? Oh, from other people, especially, especially when they come toward you with goodness and giving, right? That's how you know. That's how you know. Uh, number two, how do we receive the care of the shepherd? Uh, number two, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Uh, women, can we put up John chapter 14, verse 16 this morning? Jesus says this. He says, hey, I'm about to leave. He says, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. Uh, some, some translations say comforter, don't they? Yeah. Some translations say comforter, advocate, somebody who stand with you, Right? In John chapter 16, Jesus says, not only is the Spirit a comforter and an advocate, but he says he will be a guide to you. He'll actually, he'll actually show you what to do and where to go. And here's what I'd like to say to the church this morning. Aren't you glad that you can receive comfort 
and guidance. And aren't you glad that you have an advocate even when it's not coming from those around you? Like, like the, the shepherd wants to care for us through one another, through self-sacrificing love, through one another. But, but even if it's not coming through the people who are around us right now, everybody here can receive the, the care of the shepherd by the Spirit. Yesterday morning I read, I read a few, I read a few Psalms. And I got to Psalm 121 yesterday and it, it just landed on me in the best way. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And he will not let you stumble. And this is the part I loved. It says, the one who watches over you, he will not slumber. Indeed, the one who watches over Israel, he never slumbers and he never sleeps. I love that. It's been kind of a tough week, you know, and, and I love that. And what, here's, what's, here's what's great about that. How many of you understand that when I was reading that in the Bible yesterday, I wasn't receiving the care from black ink on white paper. Like who cares about black ink on white paper? Black ink on white paper is, is only as good uh, as it is in that it, it opens up the door to the spirit. It's the Spirit who cares for us. Like, how do we receive the shepherd's care? From one another, but then also by the Spirit. And then number three, how do we experience the shepherd's care? Uh, the life and example of Jesus that we see in the Scriptures. Uh, this is a little bit different, but I, I want to frame it kind of like this. When, when Jesus laid down his life on the cross, I hope we understand that it wasn't the first time that he exercised that humility and care. It wasn't like, oh, oh, now I have to do the, the humility thing. How many of you understand that, that the cross of Jesus and, and him laying down his life in that particular moment, it, it, was, it was the greatest manifestation of who he had always been, what he had always done, and who he is in his most deep heart. It wasn't like he just woke up that day and said, well, I guess I have to do this thing. Jesus left heaven to take on flesh and to be born a baby. He entered into time and space. Philippians chapter 2 says that he took off his glory and he dressed up in frailty, which is to say that we can receive his love and care from his life and his story. Uh, it's why we return again and again to the scriptures, but especially the gospels. Uh, here's what I'm actually trying to say in this. Like, how do we receive the care of the shepherd by receiving the story and the life of Jesus specifically from the gospels and then actually doing what he does. Like, like you want to receive the shepherd's care, live as he does. And it will, it will seem very, very counterintuitive to the ways of the world. It will seem very counterintuitive to just to the machinations of the way that this world runs but it is the way to receive his care. You want to receive the, the shepherd's care? Uh, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two. If you do that, you'll actually, and, and, it's, and you won't get his care because you'll earn it. It won't be like as though, well, you went two instead of one, so here's some, 
here's my love. No, in going to, you're, you're actually receiving his care. It's like there's a, there's a care that comes from God that, that, that happens when instead of going one, you go two. Uh, it, you, you, there's a care that comes from God when, when you don't just love those who are good to you, but you love those who are not good to you. There's a, there's a like, it wasn't as though Jesus was, like, this is who he is. Like, you want to receive the shepherd's care? Like, live, live in his love. Like, live in his arms. Uh, you want to receive the shepherd's care? Like, get to know the life and the story of Jesus. I mean, uh, Jesus says uh, in, in, Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, don't just give so that people see. Give in secret. You want to, you want, and it's not an earned thing. Like, giving in secret is the care. It is the affection of God that is coming upon you. why we return to the scriptures again and again. Okay, so let's, let's take a hard left turn here. What about, what about days when it seems like the shepherd doesn't care? What about moments like Buffalo, New York? And what about schools in Texas? What about moments when it seems like the wolves do get in and the wolves do a lot of damage? I want to say a couple things. Hey, Whitman, let's put up Ezekiel chapter 34, the first one. This is Ezekiel. He's talking about some shepherds. He says this, this he says, then this message came to me, that'd be Ezekiel, from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Underline that line right there. The leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed the sheep? You drink their milk. You wear their wool. You butcher the best animals. But you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. Do you notice the switch here? We're not talking about animals anymore, are we? You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. You have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. Okay, let's go to the next one, Whitman, from Ezekiel. In verse 11, he says this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and I will find my sheep. I'll be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where the people live. Yes, I will bring them to good pasture land on the high hills of Israel, and they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lust pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep, and I will give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. So here's what we have in Ezekiel. Uh, we have this thing where the very people who should have been caring for 
The flock of Israel, they were not caring for the flock of Israel. They were bad shepherds. And I hope you notice that uh, Ezekiel calls them the leaders of Israel. And he's calling them out, right? And then in verse 11, you see the switch. There's going to be a good shepherd. And, and who is that good shepherd? Well, it's Jesus. And when Jesus stands up and says, I am the good shepherd, he's talking about Ezekiel 34. Like he's got it in his mind. And by the way, everybody in the room around Jesus would have known Ezekiel 34. They would have known this was a prophetic judgment. This was a prophetic declaration. This was a, this was a summons to everybody who had not cared for the weak and the lost. And in the story of Jesus specifically, we know, we know that Jesus is talking about the leaders of the temple. Like who are the wolves that Jesus is talking about? Who are the bad shepherds? Who are the wolves who come in and ravage the flock? Jesus is specifically talking about the leaders of Israel. He's talking about the guys who run the temple. He's talking about the people who are put in charge. So it's a word of judgment. I started this section by asking these questions. Well, what do we do on days when it seems like the shepherd doesn't care? What do we do in moments when it feels like the wolves get in and do a lot of damage? And what about moments like Buffalo, New York or the school shooting in Texas this week? Here's what I'd like to say. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for the flock. But if we know the Jesus story, here's where it gets really complicated, so hang with me. If we know the Jesus story, and if we know that even in the moment when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm not like those bad shepherds in Ezekiel 34. I'm not like the bad shepherds who are over at the temple who are taking from the people. I'm not like those wolves. Uh, we know the story and here's what we know. We know eventually that those leaders, we know eventually that those wolves, we know eventually that they kill and disfigure Jesus. Jesus says he's the good shepherd who doesn't run away when the wolves come. We know that if you follow the Jesus story out, we know that the wolves do get in and they actually, they don't just do some damage, but they actually kill the shepherd. They kill and disfigure Jesus. Part of the Jesus story is that the wolves actually get a hold of him. Of course, we know that Jesus rises again, but before that, we have to acknowledge that even Jesus suffers at the hands of the wolves. And here's what that means for us on weeks like this. It means that Jesus knows what it's like to suffer from the wolves. We've had three big shootings in the last two and a half weeks. Uh, every single person whose life was taken away from them in the worst way that it can be taken away from them. Here's what I would like to say to the church and to anybody else who needs to know. Jesus knows what it's like to be shot. Jesus is never the guy who's pulling the trigger. He's always the guy who's getting shot. Jesus knows on the cross, Jesus knows what it is to suffer. Jesus knows and he doesn't know because, he, because he's got all the omnis in his head. He knows by experience. Jesus, Jesus is with everyone who dies or suffers. Jesus is with them. And so you might be asking, well, where's the victory or where's the comfort or what's the point? Here's what I think the point is. It seems to me that Jesus wants to give us care. He wants to care about your life. He wants to care about the things that are happening in your life. He wants to care about your heart. He wants to care about your marriage 
and your family and your career and your community. He wants to care about the things you care about. But here's the other thing that Jesus wants to to do as the good shepherd. It seems to me that Jesus is protecting us from something even deeper than the wolves of life. He's protecting us from the need to ever become wolves. There are are things worse than being attacked by a wolf. And the thing that's worse than being attacked by the wolf is is, is becoming the wolf. And here's what I want to say in really, really clear ways. The world says that in a world of wolves, become a wolf. In a world of fire, the world says, get hotter. And the world says in a world of danger, become more dangerous. There's a few memes going around right now about how you need to become dangerous. No, you don't. I want to tell you right now, all of that is deeply, deeply anti-Christ. Jesus, Jesus says, be a sheep, be a lamb. Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep who is also the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation chapter four and five, John hears a lion But what does he see? He sees a lamb on the throne. The person who will forever run the universe, the person who is currently running the universe is not a wolf. He is a slain lamb. The world says in a dangerous world, become dangerous. In a place that's filled with fire, become hotter. In a world of wolves, become a wolf. Jesus says, remain a lamb. Remain a lamb. The one who sits on the throne in Revelation is the slain lamb of God. And here's the thing about that throne. It is everlasting. It is everlasting. The shepherd of the sheep wants to lead us into a kind of life that makes almost no sense in this world. That makes almost no sense no sense in this world. And he actually wants to give us uh, comfort in the distress and he wants to give us strength to be like him in this world. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to pray this morning. If you're in the worship band, why don't you come on up? And uh, everyone else, why don't we stand up? And I feel like the Lord wants to, to do a couple things this morning. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.